scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul and seal your doom tonight. Spooky, scary skeletons speak with such a screech. You'll shake and shudder in surprise when you hear these zombies shriek. We're so sorry, skeletons, you're so misunderstood. Cool. Recording. So it's been like a really fucking long time since I've recorded anything, and uh, I would like to at least, uh, like, I don't want to take full credit for my, like, uh, lack of ability to do anything responsible, but, like, I'm gonna take a bow here because I'm kind of pulling my life together, like, little by little. And, uh, I'd like to think I'm getting better at doing the podcast, amongst other things. So, the the quality has been good on the last couple episodes, I could say that much. Yeah, that's awesome. I think you should definitely... Uh A celebratory Uh medal. Or, or, you know, smash your head in a box or... Okay, good, good. Uh, So there are a couple things that have happened over the last... God damn, it's been months. It really has been months. I have a physical list of things here that I've wanted to talk about on the show. Um, Tell me if any of these things come up. I think think at least one of these should interest you. Um, I have a lot of interest, so maybe you... You do, and I, I know you do, and It'll I know you have, um, you have an opinion. <laughs> I'm like a person with opinions and shit. Yeah, one of those. Um, have you, you've played Life is Strange. Yes, I actually, it's you've... funny you should bring that up because me and one of my very good friends literally just started playing the uh, Before the Storm um, this past weekend. Oh, really? I haven't, I haven't even touched it yet. How is it? Uh... It is excruciatingly sad. <laughs> so uh, that's great. If, <laughs> great to hear. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I can't. I'm not going to sugarcoat it because it is. Uh, it is painful. I'm about halfway through the first one. Um, I, I, um, I've seen some stuff and I've seen some things and I've had feelings about it and like really uncomfortable like (laughs) guttural noises have escaped my mouth at certain times and I haven't been like proud of it because like it's 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 easily the gayest thing I've done by myself in a very long time and I'm not even I'm not even like upset about it I'm just saying that life in life is strange is ultimately a very gay game oh no it is it is so (laughs) it's super gay so gay it's so gay but that but that doesn't take away from like how great it is or how good the storytelling is or how great the characters are written like the writing constantly surprises me as being something that like isn't ham-fisted or beats you over the fucking head definitely i don't want to if you do you know how it ends I, I know enough about it that I wouldn't be upset if you talked about it. Okay, well, 
I also I love spoilers. I fucking love <laughs> spoilers. So many people, so many people are just like, oh my god, you shouldn't, you shouldn't look well, at see, that. I, you I shouldn't look at that. Hate, it's gonna get I spoiled. I hate spoilers. You're gonna... And I'm like, I'm like that bitch. Like something came out like five years ago, and I'm like, I was gonna do it, and then like someone spoils it for me, and I'm like, he, wow, like, this is your. He fault. snaps his fingers at the end, and like when he's done snapping his fingers, like everyone turns into like ashes like right at the end whoa <laughs> so anyway um no I, I love spoilers so i mean if if you if there's something you like vehemently want to talk about like let's go into it i okay i have a lot of feelings about this game so it's impossible <laughs> not to it's impossible not to i just i love the game so much i love like i loved almost everything about it and then just for me the uh the main villain was like the villains in general actually because there are you know there's more than one mm-hmm. and all of them i thought were like good for the most part i genuinely enjoyed the antagonists you know like chloe's yes. stepdad um Who's such a dick, and I just like I grew up next door next door to that guy. Sure, you know what I mean? sure, yeah. Like I know that guy. I know like eight different versions of him, and um, yeah. So him, uh, what's his face, Nathan Prescott, like yeah. the shitty rich kid thing. Also, where did excellent. where does he and get that gun? Like, you know, he just likes to wave it around a bunch. But but do we yeah. really know? Do we? That's like one of the things. I mean, maybe it's it's been a while since I've played it because I could only play through it one time, and then like the ending just annihilated me as a human. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I like I like that kind of like you're leaving you're leaving this impression. <laughs> I hated it. I hated the. Ending. I can't wait to be annihilated. It just it it did. It was like you know it was hiroshima like no survivors like my soul rent from my body as god laughed at me and threw my Mm. battered corpse into a (laughs) trash can like so correct me if i'm wrong aren't there multiple endings there's two endings and in my opinion that's not nearly as many as i thought there would be there's not that's one of the there's good and bad or is there bad and worse (laughs) it's bad and worse i think (laughs) Both of them are just not good endings. And I think also oh, wow. one of the things that bothered me about the game was that, you know, it's like this action will have consequences, like little butterflies in that intimidating little piano chime just to yep. really like fuck with you. And you're like, ah! and you rewind like five times in one conversation. And really like they in the at the end of the day, a lot of what you do doesn't matter. That's actually really good to hear because I'm the kind of neurotic person who, who even within the first chapter, I might have told like the the dingus janitor to like go fuck himself and feel like really bad about it. So like, (laughs) so like I would rewind like three times for this like very inconsequential character, and I would just be like, what if he comes back and stabs me? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the janitor guy was, like, kind of a weirdo, though, so that's understandable. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, like, I just, I think that at the end, like, they could have, I feel like it's one of the games that had a really good opportunity to do something really, like, complicated, you know, and, like, interesting, and then they kind of were just, like, "Eh, fuck you, like, (laughs) you know, at the the end, and I was, like, oh. 
Like, I really, because, you know, I wanted my, I love it when the little things matter like that, you know? Like, I want the janitor to come in and stab me if I'm not nice to him in the first chapter. Like, I love that shit. (laughs) I feel like Tenron wouldn't forgive me if I didn't mention Mass Effect 3 when you said that your decisions don't matter. Yeah, actually... As someone who played Mass Effect 3 and who has a lot of complaints about Mass Effect 3. I I mean, I like it, but. (laughs) I think the two endings are very comparable. Mass Effect and Life is Strange. I think they did a very, very similar thing. Interesting. Well, that leaves, you know, that leaves an impression to be had. And I'm sure I will be uh, less surprised, but equally as annihilated when I do uh, actually attend that finale. I'm, um, I'm curious as to what your choice will be too. So whenever you finish it, do me a favor and text me. Just, just let me know. Let Cause know. I think yeah, I no, know what you're going to pick, but I'm not sure. You never know. Wild card. I have a feeling you're going to pick what I picked though. Probably. We're like the same person. I just, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, I just, I'm just a couple years older and I have like, I have a penis. <laughs> which brings us to yeah which brings us to like the the like story uh this is cannibal siren she's here with me and we're going to read a story about like uh essentially essentially it's about sex it's yeah it's about sex i guess if you want to think about it like that um but before we get into that i think um uh yeah like introducing cannibal siren how have you been how are you doing? Hi, I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm around. Yeah, no, we're alive. Still alive. So, Still alive. Uh, this, this is Lots of Pasta episode 98. We have made it so far. This is your fourth episode. You come back every quarter. Like, um, I, I want to compare it to, like, genital warts or something. Like, they, they <laughs> pop up when you, when you least expect them. Aw, well, um, thanks. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> uh... It wouldn't be an episode if I didn't at least, like, make fun of both of us repeatedly. No, so, yeah. uh, there there were a couple things I wanted to talk about. The reason I brought up Life is Strange is because I've been watching um, Super Best Friends played through uh, Detroit Become yes, Human. Yes, I played that game, actually. I finished it recently. And, uh, yeah, I watched them play that, and they fucked everything up. And it was really funny. And it was really funny, like, how many bad decisions they made. And now they're going back and playing it again, hoping to do better this time. And it's one of the funniest things, because these, like, these professional YouTubers should know better. Like, even I've played all the other David Cage games, and, like, I'm looking looking at it, and I'm just like, how did you guys not expect this to happen? (laughs) Uh, but, But here we are. I uh I played um what's it's called? What did I play? I played Beyond Two Souls in uh preparation for Detroit because I've been like, you know, they announced it with the uh-huh. uh, I mean they didn't announce it but they teased it like four years ago with the uh uh-huh. trailer showing Kara and everything. And ever since that came out I've been like pumped for this game. Uh-huh. So it was it was really good. It was it looked I, uh, really I, good. I really loved the game. I had a great time with it, but I just I don't love David Cage. No, just, he he only I, has one volume and it's like eleven always. Yes. And there's no there's no gray area. It's yes. it's easy radicals, and um, I, I uh, having having played everything that he's made, 
uh, leading up. I haven't played Detroit yet, but like watching it, I could say it's easily the best thing he's made. But that doesn't mean, but that doesn't mean something like, you know, heavy rain is bad. That just means that, um, in are you are you saying heavy rain is uh <laughs> good sorry you'll have to that's okay i i you know what i am saying heavy rain was good i had a <gasps> lot of fun with heavy rain it is bullshit and there's a lot of funny breaks the game is broken the game is fucking broken <laughs> flat out broken sometimes but it's still really fun and i think as a kid it, th- this is nostalgia speaking hey like this is my aa meeting like Hi, my name's Nostalgia. I had a really good time playing <laughs> Heavy Rain when it came out. And I played that with Django Phillips, and we've talked about it on the show. Mm-hmm. And um, it was an experience. We went through the entire thing in one night. It was just, it was a time. Like, it was, you had to be there. Um, we should we should get together and we should play Detroit together, because I think that would be a really good time. That sounds like a great time. Because I went through the first time. I just made every decision. I, like, didn't go back. I didn't change anything. I was like, all right, I'm just going to, like, barrel through this, and I'm going to do the best that I fucking can, and we'll see what happens. And I did, like, really, honestly, I think that I did really good for the most part, but at the very end, I made a very spiteful choice. (laughs) And, <laughs> and I, uh, I would like to think I know what choice that is, but with the way Super Best Friends played, I it could be one of six things. What What do you think it was? I'm curious. You were Connor. Hmm. Were Were you Connor when you made this decision? No, I was actually Marcus when I made this choice. <laughs> you were Marcus when. Well, here's the fun fact. When when Super Best Friends got to the peaceful march, they let Marcus die, so they lost, like, an entire third of his story, and they kept it. They were like, no, let's stick to our decisions, and I was like... When did they kill him? So there was, um... Because like, like... There's a... So I the, the the reason I ask is because I went through and I tried really hard to keep everyone alive and I did. I saved everyone. Everyone lived. They I played they played full thing. pacifist. <laughs> but then um I was like, all right, how fast can I kill these motherfuckers? Slash, yeah. you know, get rid of them. So I did a second playthrough where I was like, I am going to ruin everything. I'm going to pick the worst dialogue options with every person I talk to. I'm going to get all my relationships at, like, lowest possible level. That sounds like so much fun. I will fail every single quick time event. Every single one. I literally, like, the quick time event would come and I, like, put my controller down. I was like, nope. <laughs> so, yeah, Connor got his ass kicked, like, a lot. And then I realized there's a trophy for killing Connor in every scene. Every scene that he's able to die, of course. And I was really close, but then one of my friends was watching with me, and I was like, shit, I don't want her only experience with this game to be me being a fuck. (laughs) So I went back, and (laughs) I was Me dying repeatedly. And I was like, alright, now I'm gonna be good, and I'm gonna do the real good playthrough and get all the best shit and try and fix the shit that I fucked up my first playthrough. So I really want to go back and try and do my murder, like, slash failure playthrough again, because it was so fun. (laughs) Fantastic. So the... I, I'm I'm sorry to get off on Super Best Friends for a second, but like no, it's okay. they they let Marcus die during the pacifist like like Wooly plays him straight pacifist the entire story. I don't know how, and uh, he dies 
sacrificing himself so that the rest of the androids could get away during their like rally when he's just like pointing at people walking down the street and he's like turning all of the androids. Yeah, because sh- he's Android Jesus. Somehow. He's Android Jesus. So they shoot him in the head and like Marcus is just dead. Like that's just the end of that line. And so they miss like an entire quarter of Marcus's story. And then um, they. They turn Connor, Connor goes deviant, and then he makes it to the facility, and then (laughs) I think it was Pat who was playing Connor, and Pat, like, answered one of the questions wrong, so Hank shot him, (gasps) (laughs) and it was really, and it was really fucking funny, and then, um, and then it it gets, it gets even worse, because, what did um, they do to my little family? Because then Kara gets to the, like, fucking concentration camp, Yeah, and, see, I managed to avoid that all together because i like I'm that's not, fantastic see i'm i'm not gonna lie like i was playing with Kara, and i like i love Kara. i like i really do i love all i like the actress i love Kara so much and like the whole alice storyline i was like eh, about like in general i just was like, eh, like saw the oh. twist coming from a mile away yeah i i did too and i was also kind of like this doesn't add anything to her story like, you know what I mean? And honestly, no, then I'm no. like, after that happened, I was just like, man, Luther's got to be like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and you know what? Get out, and she's like, we have to stop so she can eat. <laughs> and he's like. <laughs> Are you fucking serious? <laughs> Luther's like, I, I love I think he ears. said in like four different scenes, he's like, tell me you've noticed something about Alice. And everyone is just like, yeah, she's a fucking robot. And Kara's like, no. No. Yeah, exactly. Nothing's I was like, wrong. Literally, and they were like, oh, she's an android. You want to be a mother? And I was like, David. I was like, I know that's you. I was like, get it the is. fuck out of here. I was like, it is. if I was a sick-ass robot with sick-ass robot freedom and deviancy and I had a hot motherfucking boyfriend hanging out with me, I would have dumped that kid in the first junkyard I found. Like, <laughs> They should give you that option. I like I was just kind of like okay like this doesn't make any sense but whatever but I just I really did I jokes aside I did really enjoy Kara and Luther and Alice and I was like brutal when I played as them because you know David you can Cage be. Yeah. tries to make you feel really guilty you know when you do certain things but like I mean I'll tell you what I was there and the fam that family with their dumbass baby dropped their tickets and I was like that's mine <laughs> like, yeah no that's good <laughs> I was like, fuck your family. I was like, I don't care. <laughs> and they Fuck re- this shit, I'm out. Yeah, really. Every opportunity I got, we're like in the ticket line and Jerry's like, I'll die for you. I was like, good, die. Like, and then you sent him off. I yeah. did, he died immediately. <laughs> See, they, they fucked up that part and then they sent Luther and then Luther like died so that they could, they, uh, Kara and Alice could escape and I just like and then they like played dead until they got to this dumpster and it was just bad 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 ending like all of them had bad endings and uh and it was one of the funniest playthroughs I've ever seen so if anyone uh wants to watch someone just continually well a group of three gents lose at this game repeatedly it's one of the funniest experiences uh super best friends I cannot I cannot give them a bigger shout out um, their second playthrough is a lot funnier because they're going they're going full full on dick 
they're going rage mode, See, rage cage. And that's that's what I want to do. That's why I think we should get together and we should do that together. <laughs> and rage cage. And, yeah. yeah, you don't you don't want to play Indigo Prophecy. It's like Matrix but bad. And um, Heavy Rain was. I think Heavy Rain's enjoyable. Of course, it it probably hasn't aged well. Um, Beyond Two Souls was just plagued with bad gameplay, in my opinion. I, I would have been sold if it just played better. Beyond Two Souls? Yeah. Yeah, I like, uh, I feel like that's enough. I feel like what David Cage does is that he starts out with like a really great idea and it's like uh-huh. awesome. And like the concept, solid as fuck. Like the premise. He gets good great. actors. He gets he good a actresses. Really good yeah. job at the beginning. And then he just fucking drops the ball at the ending. And he's just like, hashtag deep. I don't feel like he drops the ball in Heavy Rain, which is why I think I like it. Maybe, you know, maybe I need to actually play it. Because I've only, I have not, I will admit, I have not played Heavy Rain. I've only seen it played. And There's a huge third act twist that I thought actually kind of made sense. Okay. Well, maybe I'll give it a shot then. I'll try that experience out. Because I it's bullshit on Two Souls and I was like very upset (laughs) no within reason within reason i'd say um i i also think if you you know you had to have played until dawn oh yeah totally uh, until dawn i've played three or four times it's fucking phenomenal of course it's good because david cage had nothing to do with making it (laughs) yep (laughs) so uh before (laughs) before we uh before we get into the story i know there were a couple uh a couple anecdotes, a couple personal anecdotes we wanted to uh, just quickly include. And I think the reason mine is kind of relevant is because um, the story we're reading today is called Intimate with a Ghost, or it's called um, So Yeah, I've Been Intimate with a Ghost. Otherwise known as Cannibal Siren's Diary. <laughs> yeah, right? That's good. Um, and my last... Uh, my, my most recent interaction with intimacy was mostly brought on by being a bumbling idiot uh, that that had done like maybe two or three key bumps too many in the bathroom of his local bar. So I've, I've been trying to um, you remember earlier before we started recording where I said I don't really rely on drugs to cope anymore. Yeah. Well, it was my it was my sister's birthday and apparently all of her friends do cocaine. Ah. They're all like. So here's me. 26 doughy and uh, doughy. there there is I am surrounded by my younger sister's dude both dude bro friends and they all have nice beards and gorgeous bodies and they're all younger than me and more successful and yo that fucking sucks they they immediately pull out cocaine and i don't know if you know anything about cocaine cannibal siren but it's expensive no i'm poor (laughs) (laughs) cocaine is expensive i've never paid for it i just have really good friends that let me do it with them it's a hell of a drug um i can understand why the 80s were so much fun Mm. that having been said i walk out of the bathroom and I get a drink and I turn around to go back to my table and I legit uh, run into a, a girl. 
and uh, it had been so long since I've like vied for someone's affection. But, like, for some reason, she was, like, not only impressed with me bowling her over, but, like, attracted to me in the process. And I was like, this is going to set up for some good issues. So, um, so that's my most recent experience with intimacy. I know you wanted to tell a story about how, uh, (laughs) (laughs) how your last, how your last job interview went. Yeah, I, uh. So I, I recently graduated, and um, that's been a thing that I did. Good luck out there in the real world, kid. Yeah, I'm dying. <laughs> so uh, we all are in the process of dying. Um, I'm trying to find a real job because apparently eating men in the water isn't a real job. Thanks, I, uh, mom. <laughs> yeah, thanks, mom. Telling me I have to get out of the ocean and actually find work. Um, I had a job interview, and uh, long story short, uh, it was it was weird, but I was vibing with the guy, because, like, I literally walked in, and he was like, can I see your hands? And I was like, okay, <laughs> sure, I'm desperate, right. I need this job, all yours, my dude. He was really tall, too, so not, not, not terrible looking, but Makes I was, you want to you know, climb him like a tree. <laughs> No. Okay. Not quite. More like I had to crane my neck to look up at him because I am small. (laughs) S-M-O-L. Yeah, I'm I'm small. He must have been at least a foot taller than me, honestly. Like, I couldn't even... He was, like, so much taller than me that I couldn't even tell you how much taller than me he was. So, I was, like... (laughs) We were, like, doing pretty good. I was really, honestly, not gonna lie, I was really killing it in the interview and um so then he's like do you want to know about this place and I was like okay sure so he launches into this super long story that starts with the old owner basically screwing over everyone who worked there and like frauding them out of thousands like tens of thousands of dollars doing a ton of drugs in the process and like ruining his life which then delves into him telling me his life story uh, that ended with him confessing that he uh, lived in the building. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm oh. <laughs> No, I know you are. <laughs> no. <laughs> and then um, he was like, but we should probably just talk about that over a beer sometime. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I was like, ah, oh, okay. <laughs> it's going to be like that. Your life is so, like yeah, long story a, a short, Seinfeld I episode. I didn't have any welding experience, but um, he dug my portfolio. So you know what? You win some, you lose some. <laughs> sure. At least you're able to like look at it as like a uh, as like a good experience, yeah. I guess. Yeah, for the I, interview I would process. call it a good experience. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I hope that guy's okay. Like I was, I was getting a little worried there, like. <laughs> Near the end, like any like, like any rational sea monster would. Yeah, I I was also high key like, is this gonna end with him like you know, like killing me or like you know because I was kind of like mm. wondering, but you never know. It does sound a little bit like the movie Split. Really? Just a little bit. I haven't seen it, so I'll take your word for it. 
oh, well, I don't want to, like, spoil an M. Night Shyamalan film for you. <laughs> um, so oh, we, no, uh, don't do that. <laughs> oh, no. So we should probably get into the story now. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, intimate with a ghost. Do you know why I saved this for you, Cannibal Siren? Why did you save this for me, Captain Death? Because the dawning of monster fucking is upon us. <laughs> Your last episode was so much fun to record because it just, it's oh, full of the types of conversations that we would have had, uh, you know, like in or out of class or like sitting on the stoop. So it's just like, <laughs> it's such a fun episode and it just, it brings a smile to my face and, uh, you know, um, color me, color me surprised when I'm then later on after the episode looking through no sleep. I believe this is a no sleep story. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, and I'm and I'm perusing no sleep, and I come across a story about literal monster fucking. Mm. It was made for us. It's like destiny or whatever. <laughs> destiny or whatever. <laughs> so, um, so do do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Why the fuck not? Let's get going on this. I don't, I, I, I guess I want to say, I guess I want to start by saying, I don't know if this is going to be serious or not. You don't what? I'm sorry. I don't know if this is going to be serious or not. I don't know if this is going to be like a, um, I don't know if they're like going to be running with their like style or if this is going to be like satirical. I really don't have any expectations. <laughs> so it'll be a surprise for later. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everything is a surprise for later. This is true. This is true. Oh, well, we're going to go on this beautiful monster fucking journey together. Are you ready? Let's go on this beautiful journey together. <clears throat> so, yeah, I've been intimate with a ghost. Many places have a woman in white legend. The legend in my town goes like this. About 150 years ago, a woman and a man were to be married. The courtship was short. The engagement was shorter. The bride waited. Wanted to get right to the point. Yeah, just fucking go for it, you know? I mean, honestly, what, what, 150 years ago, when was that? Like, 1800s-ish? Yeah, so, like, you were able to get married to, like, a 12-year-old, right? Yeah, and I mean, honestly, let's be real. Lifespans were short, so uh, engagements were shorter. You only had a certain amount of time to go and fire out as many babies as you could before you died of dys- oh. dysentery or whatever. Ah, so. uh, to die at 30. <laughs> Young, free, and with 18 children in my farmhouse all stacked on top of one another in a pile of mud. Doesn't it sound grand? Just as God intended. In another life, in another life, that was us. You, a blacksmith. Me, a chunky housewife. <laughs> At first I thought that was the story, and I got really excited. <laughs> nah, that was me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, we'll, we'll get back to the actual story now. <clears throat> The bride waited for the groom at the church, but he never showed. Nor did any guests on his side. The emotionally destroyed young bride ran outside the chapel and into the street, and she was ran over by a horse and carriage. She died on the spot. (laughs) God damn. Die hard, 1850. (laughs) I guess I I got carried away earlier. (laughs) Really? When the families of 
the bride returned to their homes, they found them completely empty. The groom and his buddies had robbed the empty houses and they split town. The wedding was a scam. Son of a bitch. Yeah, damn. That's like a good ass scam though, like just saying. Like that's also yeah, like, a long con. Let's, let's get married, hon. Yeah, no, that <laughs> is the long con. He's like, let's get married in like a month, and she's like, okay. And then they're like literally doing this just so people will leave their houses so they can rob them. Like, man, that's dedication. That's gonna be like Ocean's 26. It's gonna take place in like the 1800s, and it's gonna be about like this group of guys who just steal from like these small little mud huts. Perfect. According to legend, the spirit of the young bride lives on. She wanders near the remains of the old church in a white dress, and if you stop to pick her up, the bride will exact vengeance on your spouse slash future spouse. She'll curse them, and sooner then later, your better half will die horrifically. Of course, this is all just local bullshit. There it is. Yeah, of course, it's just local bullshit. <clears throat> People say they've seen her, kids mostly. Some have even claimed to have picked her up. But there's no photos, no video, just tales around the campfire. And everyone thinks it's a load of crap. The legend is just too popular to be true. So this guy's a hipster. Every person in the town knows it, which sucks the mystery out of the entire story. But I've met a woman in white. Here's my story. Hmm. I'm going through a divorce. It's shitty, and I wouldn't wish it upon anyone. Thank God we never had any kids. Oof. I'm in my early 30s, so I at least learned my lesson early on. I'm never getting married again. <laughs> Damn. I like this guy. Yeah, it's straight up nihilism. Or girl, or person. I just, I like the narrative style. Let's just jump right into it. <laughs> Every Tuesday night, I, re I head about 10 miles out of town to a bar to meet up with buddies. It's a weekly tradition to help cheer me up from my miserable divorce proceedings. We've been doing it for months, and because the bar is out of the way, down an old country road that sees little to no traffic on a Tuesday night, it's not uncommon for me to drive home after having five to six beers. What the fuck? <laughs> Life goals. Dumb, yes, but I rarely see another car, so it's cool to just, like, drive. It's great. It's fine, officer. And I always make it home with only a headache too in the morning. About two months ago is when I saw her the first time. I was driving home from the bar around one in the morning, slightly buzzed when I spotted her. A woman in a long white dress ambling through knee-high weeds along the side of the road. It was foggy. I was going 50 miles per hour, but I was certain that it was a woman in a white dress. My head turned and we made eye contact for a split second. I zoomed past, looked in my rearview mirror, and she was gone following Tuesday I saw her again trudging through weeds in the same spot I had forgotten all about her from the previous week I sped past again tightening my grip on the steering wheel the booze was making me see things of course I had heard the legend of the woman in white but I'm a grown man and don't believe in shit like that <laughs> David Cage alright alright David <laughs> David I know it's you I'm out I checked the rearview mirror. Again, she was gone. Same thing the next Tuesday, but this time I drive a little slower to make sure I'm not going crazy. I get a good look. It's a thin woman in her early 20s in a stained white lacy dress, long brown hair, pale skin. It's just me. This bitch just saw me. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you saw me trudging through the weeds. And even as she's trudging through the weeds, it's almost graceful. Nah, not me. Wrong. <laughs> I was wrong. All right, wrong. it's not me. 
My eyes travel up and down her body from head to toe. She's absolutely stunning. One of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. We make eye contact again and we hold it for a bit longer this time. She smiles and I consider pulling over. I can taste the booze on my lips and that reminds me that I'm drunk. I'm imagining her. I turn my head to see if she's still there and under the moonlight I see it. An old, broken down church about 30 yards from the road. I press my foot on the gas and get the hell out of there. I wake up in my bed with a hangover. Next Tuesday, I'm probably eight beers in a hole when I leave the bar, drunk as a skunk. I see the woman in white again, same spot on the country road, stumbling gracefully through the weeds. I accelerate to 80 miles an hour, my car kicking up dirt on the old road. I don't look back. Curiosity would get the better of me the following Tuesday. I nursed my one beer all night. I wanted to be sober and convince myself that my mind wasn't playing tricks on me. I left the bar a little after midnight, and sure enough, the woman in white was there on the same stretch of road. I passed her, slowed, pulled over on the shoulder. The car idled, and I sat with sweaty palms on the wheel. I looked in my mirrors, and I couldn't spot her. I turned my head, looked back, didn't see one trace of her. My head turned forward, and I almost jumped out of my seat. The woman in white was standing five feet in front of my car, arms at her side. She smiled, and I opened the passenger door. She hesitated, and then walked to the open door. She stood there. Do you need a ride? I said. She delicately sat down on the passenger seat and closed the door. The bottom half of her dress was filthy. She looked at me with soft green eyes. Ah, oh, I'm a sucker for green eyes. <clears throat> I get it, dude. <laughs> Where are you supposed to be? I asked. She looked down, and for some reason I already felt comfortable enough to brush the hair out of her eyes. She looked up and gently touched my hand. Her skin was cold, too cold. Her eyes met mine. Can I take you somewhere, I asked again. Take me with you, she said almost in a whisper. I swallowed and removed my hand from her as I put the car into drive and headed back to my house. I asked her a few questions. What's your name? Where are you from? But she remained silent. She pulled up her knees to her chest and stared out the window. She didn't seem frightened. If anything, she seemed happy to be safe. You know what this you know what this kind of reminds me of? What? Um, on the last couple, uh, I think it was in the 80s, we read, I think, on like 82 and 86 or something, or like 83 and 86, we read um, the first uh, Alvin Schultz scary stories to tell in the dark book. And this reminds me of the kind of like um, like local legend, the kind of um, what do they call it when like a like a folk tale that like travels around like an area, you know? I, I I'm really into it. Is yeah. what I'm trying to say. No, I'm actually really enjoying this. I'm not gonna lie. It's nice. <clears throat> we arrived at my house, and I let her inside. I offered her a glass of water, but she shook her head. She crawled under the covers in a spare room and fell asleep. I left and shut the door, and I immediately headed for my laptop. I checked Google News and my local online newspaper for news of missing women in the area. I found nothing and fell asleep. I woke up at 6 in the morning. I cracked the door of the guest room. The woman in white was still there. I showered, ate breakfast, and left a note for her on the kitchen table. Eat anything you want, and if you aren't here when I get home, that's fine. Thought about her all day at work, that soft face, those green eyes. Three times I picked up the phone to call the police and tell them I found a missing person. But each time I put the phone back into the receiver. I can't explain why. 
because they'd laugh at me for saying I found the mysterious woman in white. I'm not sure, but I didn't call. She's still in the guest room when I get home from work, and she's still in the same dirty dress, and she still wouldn't talk. I grabbed my soon-to-be ex-wife's shorts and a t-shirt and a towel, and I led her, my mystery guest to the bathroom. I turned on the shower for her, and I placed her hand under the warm water. She pulled back a little, and finally she cracked a smile. I left the bathroom, shutting the door behind me. The shower is turned off 20 minutes later. I hear her return to the guest room. I crack the door an hour later, and she's asleep on the bed. Wet hair, but she had put back on the white dress. She is softly snoring. We make love for the first time the next night. I had awoken in the middle of the night to get a glass of water from the kitchen. I crawled back into bed, but I didn't feel alone. I turned over and nearly pissed myself from shock. <laughs> She's under my covers and she pulls me close to her. She isn't wearing the dress and I feel her cold naked. Oh, damn. Pressed up against me. I fall asleep soon after it's over and I wake up alone. She's back in the guest room in her white dress. Her behavior grows increasingly stranger over the next couple of days. In the middle of the night, I'd hear footsteps all around the house, up and down the hallway, up and down the stairs, rummaging in the refrigerator, weird metallic banging from the basement. Once, I swore I heard footsteps in the attic. Each time I investigated, I found her asleep in the guest room. So she's not only just like, you know, this like sexy ghost princess that like has sex with you, but like brings other hauntings you know like makes <laughs> makes spooky shit happens this sounds but, like the kind of girl i would date i was about to say but like she pushes that pussy though like <laughs> <laughs> like it's i guess it's gotta be worth it <laughs> oh man one time i came home from work to find a large piece of carpet torn up in my bedroom i had to rip out the whole thing and she still never said a word to me Nothing after take me with you from the inside of the car. But every night we make love. I never asked her to, not once. She just comes into my room. The sixth night she doesn't show, so I just go to sleep. I wake to her standing at the edge of my bed, bathed in moonlight, wearing nothing. She crawls into bed with me. I have no idea how long she'd been standing there. I canceled my bar plans with my buddies the next Tuesday. I told them I wasn't up for it. It seemed weird to leave my woman in white. I left her for work during the day, but never at night. Around 8 p.m., headlights streamed into my living room. My buddies were at my house unannounced. I couldn't let them see the woman in white. I couldn't let them see that I was having sex with a corpse. <laughs> I didn't want them to know I was fucking this corpse, because, like, it's <laughs> my corpse, you know? Like, I, I don't want to share it. Nah, bros. Bros, leave her alone. Start throwing her around the room and shit. Oh, God. <laughs> Course basketball. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, this almost feels like, like a nightmare I would have had as like a, like a horny teenager, you know, like, <laughs> a a, like, like, yeah, maybe <laughs> you, like, like teeth. I swear I've had a dream <laughs> about teeth before I ever saw teeth, you know, like I swear I did, but I don't know. Life's weird. Yeah, that's true. Life I'll, is strange. Life is very strange. I hate myself. All of my, all my nightmares are never like this good. Like they're always <laughs> like, like I, I never get anything good out of it. Like at least this guy's getting laid. Like my that's nightmares are always just like apocalyptic or like someone I love dies or I die. Like it's never like fun. <laughs> it's scary. never fun.
fun. Well, I, mean, uh, okay. this, I have this some is, fun nightmares. This is a fun and sexy nightmare. Like, I, I've never had a fun and sexy nightmare. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had some... I've had some fucking dreams. <laughs> Nothing like this, though. <laughs> you want to take it from here? Oh, of course. I quickly shuttled her to the basement, and I told her to wait down there until my friends left. <laughs> Sounds like a good move. She sat on an old couch, and I went upstairs to greet my friends. They're worried about me, and they were here to play cards. <laughs> yeah. Pokemon <laughs> cards. <laughs> we're gonna play Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. Time to duel. Yu-Gi. After about an hour of playing Yu-Gi-Oh in the living room, I went to the fridge to grab a few Capri Suns. When I got back, my buddy Ryan was gone. My other friend Chris said Ryan had smelled something weird and heard odd noises coming from the basement. He went to investigate. Trying not to look too concerned, I quickly head down to the basement and found Ryan poking around. He said he smelled rotten fruit. Well, you see, Ryan, that's just, that's the natural odor of genitalia or, no. or unwashed <laughs> genitalia. That's just, that's just what our girls smell like. I know. I've, I've had sex with so many girls and I'm an expert. <laughs> Rotten fruit. Yes, it's true. And he thought he heard a strange crash. Thankfully... He hadn't seen my woman in white. I, I I got a note here that his change of the woman in white to my woman in white is very, like, objectively scary. He headed back upstairs when suddenly a cold hand reached around and covered my face from behind. It pulled me back into a dark corner underneath the staircase. I knew the coldness of the hand. It was my woman in white, and she shushed me quiet. I reached backwards and I felt for her. I run my hand up and down her cold skin. She wasn't wearing the dress. She was wearing nothing. She released me and I spun around. We made love quietly and quickly on the floor. <clears throat> and I returned upstairs to the game. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh. I never smelled the rotten fruit. That night, I heard a sobbing from the guest room. I cracked the door, and she was sitting on the bed, head in hands, crying. I pushed open the door a little more and was about to speak when her head jerked up. The crying is silenced, and she stared at me with what I swear were glowing eyes. There was intent in those eyes. For some reason, I thought she wanted to harm me. After a minute or two, I backed away and closed the door. Uh, newsflash. You have a strange entity fucking you at night and sleeping in your guest room. Only fine. now are you concerned? She's not having sex with me. I guess I'm gonna be scared now. <laughs> now she's scary. The real let me, <laughs> let me tell you, Cannibal Siren, I've actually been scared during sex like several times. So the idea of like this guy just being okay with everything until he's no longer getting sex... That's that's where I draw a fucking line. Do you, do you feel misrepresented? I do! I slept with my door locked. 
she didn't visit me that night. No shit, you locked your door. The following Dumbass. day, I made up. <laughs> yeah, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Captain Death is like, man, I could fuck this go so much better. <laughs> I mean, I maybe. So, so here's like, here's a fun byline. I've had friends over. Um, we've been playing like a lot of games in the house, and we've been doing like spooky things at night. It's kind of fun. But like ever since we've like started doing that, I've noticed like more noises in my house. And now we've come up with a name for the like the ghost that walks around my house at night and we call her Grand Grand and I have like I have a vague I have a vague inkling that like Grand Grand like kinda like watches me, but like she was probably a fox when she was younger, you know? So you're gonna get you're gonna dick down Grand Grand. The following day I made up my mind. <laughs> I'm taking her back where I found her. I had no idea who she was, or where she came from, but I figured I should take her back to the exact same spot at the exact same time that I originally found her. So, like, this bitch, like, he knows. He knows she's a ghost. He's not like, maybe she's, like, he knows. Like, you don't just take somebody... But at what point do you, like, but at what point do you say, like, this isn't normal? I don't know, I probably would have said that when I saw a bitch floundering in the marsh. (sighs) A little after midnight. She gets into my car willingly, and she balls up the same way she did a week ago. There were no words between us. I drive to what I think is the spot, and I pull over. I idle the engine, get out, and walk around to the passenger side. I open her door, and she gets out, and just starts ambling through the weeds again. She doesn't look back. I take a look around for the old church I saw that one time, but I don't see it. I put my car into a gear, pull a U-turn, and drive off. This time, I see her in the mirror. Walking into a wooded area, she vanishes into the trees. I'm fearful of her return. My woman in white was out of my life as quickly as she came into it, and I thought she might want to come back. And I'd stopped thinking about the lovemaking. All I saw were those glowing eyes. I was nervous, and I began drinking nightly. I set up a home security system, and I triple-checked my doors and windows every night to make sure they were locked. I cleaned the whole house top to bottom, scrubbed every square foot of floor, every inch of wall. I wanted every trace of her gone. And maybe if the house smelled different, she wouldn't find her way back. She wasn't an animal, but it just felt better this way. It felt like I was cleansing myself of her. But she didn't come back. I know, right? Like, I, I know that, like, everyone likes to, like, you know, change things a little bit whenever they go through, like, a breakup. But, like, you're fucking a ghost. I don't think, you know, using some Windex is gonna, like, help. <laughs> no amount of Windex will erase <laughs> the sins you've committed. <laughs> <laughs> Buy Windex today in, in a new glass bottle. Uh, I don't even know. I can't even fake an advertisement. I bleached the walls of my house to try and get the rotten fruit out of it, and it didn't work. <laughs> That's the perfect voice for the narrator of this story. <laughs> I'll read the rest of my Yeah. Two weeks later, I'm at a convenience store in town buying a 12-pack of beer. I overhear a couple of teenagers talking about a woman in white, and how one of them had seen her along a dusty road late at night. She looked murderous, he said. 
and the flesh was melting off her face as she cackled with laughter, chasing after his car in the darkness. That was actually me. <laughs> she's she's it's her time of the month. That's, yeah, see, it's the, her the, ghost time of the month. Real ghost hours start now. In this house, ghost hours are 24-7. <laughs> the listening friend punched the other one in the shoulder. Stop bullshitting me, dude, he said. I paid for my beer and walked out. I noticed a missing persons sign taped on the storefront. It was a woman in her early 20s, last seen a few weeks ago. Blonde hair, 5'4", 115 pounds. Last seen wearing black pants and black tank top. It wasn't my woman. My woman always wore white, and she had brown hair. But it got me thinking. This missing woman, someone must really miss her. And she probably misses whoever put up the sign. I started my car and drove on down the road, and I wondered if I should pay my woman in white another visit. I wonder if she missed me. Went from being kind of a douche. It was, like, cool, and then he was a douche, and now it's, like, I don't I... Know. I kind of enjoy that though. I don't think I don't think life is black and white. I think life is a lot of grays and colors and just kind of, you know, like a mishmash Pollock painting. And I think like the idea that he's having these crazy ups and downs when having just like when having just like had his world fucking rocked. Um, it does it also makes sense. I mean he's going through a divorce, like you know, like, I mean, I get it. I've I've done some stupid, shitty things for attention, so I really can't talk shit on this guy. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can't either, but that's what we're here for, so we're gonna do it. Um, I will continue reading. I was hesitant to go back. It seemed like I had it pretty good for the week that the woman in white stayed with me. Sure, she did some weird shit. Ripping up my carpet, sneaking around at night, making terrible noises in the basement, but she just wanted me. This is me talking about <laughs> every monster I've ever wanted. <laughs> you know, like sometimes he goes to the bathroom, like on the wall, but like it's okay. Like I'll clean it up, it's fine. He He's the wolf man of my dreams. Okay, but like don't don't go there. <laughs> we can't talk about werewolves. Watch too much true blood. <laughs> it's real for shit. Now we're really hey. gonna crack open my diary. <laughs> I'm sorry. For no real reason at all. And take it from a guy going through a divorce and drinks on a daily basis, there's nothing like feeling wanted. I'll 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 agree to that. So yeah. I guess it was wanting to be wanted that led me back to the spot on the old country road last night. Those feelings compelled me to go. Against my better judgment, I was terrified of what I might find for abandoning her. But I had to go. But first, let me explain a little about the last few days. After I dropped the woman in white back on the road last week, I was paranoid as hell, worried that I had somehow done a very, very bad thing. Like, fuck a ghost repeatedly. And that I would pay for it. I scrubbed my house clean and installed a home security system. I've even looked into buying a dog, thinking it might help alert me to things going bump in the night or whatever. And there was no sign of her, nor any sign of anything weird happening. But then the incident with the keys happened. I've always been a forgetful bastard. My wife used to do everything. She paid the bills, organized our calendar, did the shopping, and generally reminded me of anything that I had to do. 
whenever I would get home from work, I would just toss my car keys in the, any place at all. Couch, bed, bathroom, one time they wound up in my fridge of all places. Well, you're an alcoholic, that explains that. But well, my drunk, wife would always drunk yeah. driving like every week. As <laughs> I'll be fine. But my wife would always find them and put them back on the hook for me next to the door. It might be the only thing I miss about her. <laughs> That's a funny line. Ow. Since I've been alone, I'm constantly late to work. I'm not sleeping off hangovers. I function just fine. Yeah, functioning alcoholism. But but I can't find my goddamn keys in the morning ever. I search around for 10 minutes every morning until I find them, hustle out the door, and proceed to be the guy that comes in late every day. My boss has been letting it slide, probably because I'm a broken bastard going through a divorce. I think he feels bad for me. Yesterday morning, I'm going through my standard ritual, eating breakfast, pouring myself a cup of coffee, and asking myself the daily question, where the hell are my keys? I begin my usual routine of kicking around the pizza boxes and overturning couch cushions when I spot them. My keys are sitting on the kitchen table. It might be the only time I've ever left them in a logical place since my wife left me. Mm. I grab the keys and head out to the garage. I hit the garage door opener, start the car, and realize I'm missing something. I left my damn coffee inside. I leave my car running and jog inside, where a curious sight (laughs) awaits me. Sitting next to my cup of coffee is a set of keys. My keys. The hell? I hear the engine of my car get turned off. Something is definitely not right. I slowly walk outside and my car is right where I left it. The driver's side door is ajar and there are no keys in the ignition. I search the car and I don't see another set of keys. This sounds like a glitch in the matrix stuff, but since what I've been through, it's unsettling. I'm edgy at work thinking about the situation. I love Jersey Shore. I try to convince myself that I'm just a forgetful and paranoid drunk. I probably turned the car off the first time and sat and set them next to the coffee and forgot having done it. It all happened so fast anyway. I pushed it out of my mind. That night, last night actually, I'm at our regular bar with my buddies. One by one they trickle out, but I stay until closing time. I'm not drinking at my usual rate. I maybe only have four beers over four hours. I tuned out my friends most of the night. I just sat there fiddling with my keys, the ones with the beer bottle opener and stupid moose keychain that I bought in the Boundary Waters when my wife and I camped three years ago. Did the keys I grabbed this morning from the kitchen table have those? Christ, I couldn't remember. A little after 1 a.m. on the country road, A little after 1am, I'm on the country road. Beads of sweat gather. (laughs) I, you know what? This guy keeps dropping like lyrics to songs and I just like keep wanting to like sing them. Like, I want you to want me. (laughs) And then there's a closing time, open all the doors. So like, country road, take me home. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. No, that's okay. It's the third third time's a charm. Beads of sweat gather on my forehead and I flex my fingers on the wheel. I'm approaching the spot. Part of me wants to speed through, another part wishes to hit the brakes and see if my woman in white is still there. I look down and see the keys in the ignition. The moose dangles from the chain and my mind flashes to that one camping trip with my wife. Those were good times. 
great times before the fighting, before the blaming, and before the guy from Colorado. Fuck that guy. At that point in my life, I felt loved. I hit the brakes and pull over to the shoulder. I lean back in my seat, breathing heavily. I look around, nothing. I open the door and step outside, and I slam my door shut. It echoes in the night, and the sound disappears. All I hear are crickets. I lean against my car, and I drop my head, and then the sounds fill the summer air. Sobbing. Moaning. Cicadas. (laughs) Cicadas. It's just a fuck ton of cicadas. And they're all really sad. And they're all so sad. (laughs) Coming from the woods where I saw my woman in white vanish last week. I pop open the hood and grab a flashlight that's buried underneath some tools, oily rags, and work gloves. I set out into the woods. It grows thick in a hurry, far more thicker than I far more thicker than I ever thought it would be. The forest forms a canopy above my head and I follow the gentle sobbing with the beam of my flashlight. The weeping gets louder and louder. I'm getting closer. I spot her, the woman in white, crouched underneath a tree, stained white dress, head in hands. I cautiously approach and I kneel down. I touch my hand to her shoulder and she doesn't move, continues to sob. I'm sorry, I say. I'm so, so sorry. Would you come back with me? Her head starts to move. She's about to look up and I fear those glowing eyes that I saw the last night she stayed with me, those murderous, burning eyes. But her eyes are soft and green. I wipe away the tears from her cheek and I carry her back to my car. I gently place her in the passenger seat and walk her onto the driver's side. I look at her in the moonlight. She looks paler than before, malnourished. We arrive at my house and she's able to walk inside. My woman in white immediately goes to the guest room. I help her get to the bed and she lays down. I'm about to walk away and let her rest because that's what I've always done, but her hand grabs my wrist. It's colder than usual. Her thumb moves back and forth against my wrist and she smiles tenderly. She pulls me into the bed and I allow her. Her strength, that passion, it quickly returns. My woman in white gets on top of me. She pulls off my pants, but she doesn't remove the dress this time, just yanks up the bottom. But as we make love, it's hard to focus because of the rattling. As she moves up and down faster and faster, her dress rattles and jingles. My hand reaches around and I can feel her hips over the dress, thinking there must be a pocket. I can't find one on the outside. It's the fucking keys. I reach inside her dress and my hand travels onto her waist. On the right side of her dress is a pocket sewn into the inside. I grab what's inside and grip them in my palm. When we finish, my woman in white says nothing, lays down and closes. I leave the room, gently shutting the door behind me. In the light of the hallway, I can see what I've grabbed. It's a set of keys, car keys, house keys, keys for the office. I recognize these. They're my keys, but there's no- They're my keys! No moose, (laughs) just keys. My keys. I look How'd they get there? My keys. Who's how you? Why you have They're my, my keys? keys. Why you got d- my keys? In your dress. <laughs> Give them back. <laughs> I don't want your goddamn moose keys. I want my keys. I want my keys. <laughs> I looked all around for my original keys this morning, but I have no idea where I put them. I probably tossed them somewhere as usual. They'll turn up. They always do, but lucky for me, the woman in white had somehow made a spare set, which I guess he's not gonna question. (laughs) Why would he? Benevolent ghost fucking. 
I can't wait for this to turn around. I'm at work right now, and I assume my woman in white is back in her guest room. Or maybe she's wandering around my house like she did all last night, or making a weird metal screeching noise in the basement like she did around 2.30 in the morning. Or maybe she's violently scratching on my bedroom door and moaning like she was doing at 3 o'clock this morning. God damn. But she never did come into my room. It was unlocked. She easily could have come in. She just chose not to. But I'm just glad she's safe. I think I'll try to figure out who she really is or who she really was, if that makes sense. And I do want to find my original keys. And I want to find that moose keychain. Because as much pain as my wife caused me, those were some good memories. I think I'd like to remember those. <laughs> the last few days have been interesting. For those keeping score, at home, I returned the woman in white to my house last week, but things haven't been the same. Her first visit seems like forever ago. It was like our honeymoon period. But she's changed. I wonder if me returning her to the woods after her first visit pissed her off somehow. She still wants to I don't know. ever. I wonder why. You just kind of, like, drove her to the side of the road and said, okay, bye. <laughs> Yeah, why would Nothing to be pissed about off that? about at all. <laughs> what a bitch. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> she does still want me, does she ever? But the past few days I was certain she was going to kill me. 100% certain. I'm surprised I still have a pulse and that I'm typing right now. I had prepared myself to let her kill me and I was going to let her take me to whatever lays past the great beyond or whatever. I've done some shitty things in my life, and basically the last few months I've been a worthless sack of crap. Getting divorced, drinking every day, houses going to shit, slacking off at work. I certainly don't have much going for me. So when the woman in white chooses to give herself to me constantly, takes me, actually, I'll gladly take it. Even though the whole time it felt like I was doing something wrong. And this was before things got really, really weird. Like they haven't already? I was about to say, what's weirder than this? She's <laughs> fucking ripping up your carpet. This guy doesn't face. draw lines. I bet your I bet I bet his ex-wife was like a fruit. fucking gorgon or something. <laughs> like, I get desperate loneliness, but this is like some next level shit. My ex-wife had beautiful hair. Some would say it was like physical snakes. Others would say it was physical snakes. My ex-wife was a Gorgon. <laughs> Why did you divorce and is she single? <laughs> oh. Me knocking on Medusa's door like, what's up? <laughs> Wearing my, sh my to... sunglasses. We're going out. Look I was going to say looking to get stoned. <laughs> I hate I'm myself. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I'd grown accustomed to her late-night antics, stomping around the house, metal screeching in the basement that I can't find the source of, the clawing and moaning on my bedroom door, but it was nothing compared to the last few nights. Oh, God. <laughs> I was gonna say, now he's, like, kind of, like, enjoying it? Is that what he's saying? I'm like, I'm like, is he he's down like, oh, for oh, yeah, she's just, you know, she's just doing her <laughs> thing, you know? What time is it? Oh, it's nine. She, uh... She goes to the bathroom and just kind of breaks individual tiles on the wall for like 10 minutes. <laughs> I'll see her in the kitchen in like 20 where she like bitches about how we don't have anything to make sandwiches and then like slowly chews on the edge of the wood. 
Ah, uh, yes, 2.30 in the morning. That's screaming time. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, right on schedule. Right on schedule. Saturday night, we made love. I didn't want to, but she pulled me into the guest room, and it was rough. I still have bruises and scratches on my arms and red handprints from her gripping my neck. As it was going on, I was waiting for a dagger to be plunged into my back. It didn't come. Kind of wish it had. That night, I'm laying in my bed alone in the dark. I hear her shuffling around the hallway, and she stops outside my bedroom door. For the first time, she opens the door to my bedroom. It squeaks open just a couple of feet in the darkness, but I don't see her. I figure she's just messing with me, standing in the hallway while I pull the covers up to my eyes. Nothing happened. Not a sound. It was the longest ten minutes of my life. Her hands appear at the edge of my bed. I can see them rise above my blanket, and they gently pull the covers off my feet. I can't see her face, all I can see are her pale hands with long fingers on my blanket. This is a violation of the ancient law that states that when you have a blanket over your head, you're safe. So, like, this story is <laughs> Yeah, like, now it's, now it's, like, affecting me on, like, a, like a childhood level. Because now, now I'm just gonna have trauma from, from seeing this. Yeah, I from, don't like from this that. understanding. You are 100% not allowed to touch me. If I have blankets over my head, I'm safe you long-ass bitch i swear to god i agree i agree i actually think um i actually think a bunch of baby ducks brought that up on the scary story tell in the dark episode (laughs) well a bunch of baby ducks is right he's a smart guy he's a very smart guy and i think that this story should be outlawed and when i come to power i'm going to delete all stories that have things like that in them (laughs) because it makes me feel bad (laughs) Oh, this is gonna get real weird with it. She's on the floor. The woman in white has crawled inside and had just been laying at the foot of my bed. I swallow as her fingers gently caress my feet. This sounds sexy and kinky. I can assure you that it's not. (laughs) (laughs) But it kind of is. But it's not. But But it's not. But it kind of is. And then I feel her tongue on my toes. She's softly (laughs) sucking on my feet. I don't move. I'm frozen in. She moans, but her moans turn into some sort of mix of labored panting growling. I don't even. I'm I'm waiting for the bite, for the pain to shoot through my feet. It doesn't happen. She stops, giggles, and I hear her crawl under my bed. Oh, I don't like that. I, I, I don't. The sounds stop. She's under there, less than a foot away from me, lying on the floor directly below. If I focus hard enough, I can hear her breathing. She giggles once more and then makes a shrieking noise and holds it for five seconds. And then there's silence. I lay with my eyes open for hours until I mercifully fall asleep. When the sunlight streams through my windows that morning, I cautiously lower my head to see if she's still there. The woman in white is gone. The guest room door is closed, and I don't even check to see if she's inside. I dress, grab my laptop, and leave the house for the day. I do research into the woman in white. Does she have a name? Was she even a real person? Where is she buried? I find nothing. I email and leave a message for our historical society, but I imagine they don't work on Sundays. I tried going home that night, but I do it anyway. 
Everything is as I left it, and the guest room door is still closed. I slink by, waiting for the door to swing open and for the woman in white to grab me and yank me inside. She must not have heard me. I grab some beers, go to my bedroom, and I lock the door. I dick around on the computer and enjoy a few cold ones, but as the beers slide down my throat, one, two, six, I'm slightly less terrified. That's good counting. Yeah. I love math. (laughs) If she wants to finish me off for good, I'll allow it. I unlock my bedroom door, and I lay on my bed, just waiting for her. The woman in white is more active than usual, maybe because I didn't make love to her that night. She's pissed. (laughs) Me too, bitch. (laughs) I hear her trashing my house, throwing shit around. I hear my TV crash to the floor. Well, someone's gotta fuck me. (laughs) (laughs) If it ain't gonna be you, what else is gonna fuck me? Why am I not getting decked out? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Smashes a glass case. <laughs> oh. She stomps up the stairs and positions herself outside of my door. Her body slumps to the floor and I take one more swig of beer. This could be it. Her fingers reach under the door crack and grip the inside of my door. I like she that. scratches my side of the door up and down, up and down, giggling and moaning. It's unlocked. She's free to enter. I think I, she'd rather torture me. Despite the horrors happening eight feet away, I look at my computer screen. I have one new email. It's from my wife. I haven't heard from her in weeks. Subject high. Hun... I'm sorry for calling you hun. I instinctively typed it out, probably out of habit, I think. I don't deserve to call you hun. Not anymore. But I'm gonna leave it anyway. Old habits. I hope that's okay. It's been a long time since we talked. I hope this is okay that I emailed you. I just wanted to see how you were doing and also get something off of my chest. I'm scared and I want to see you. Let me tell you why. I've been having nightmares. Every night for the past few weeks, they've been terrible. They stem from something that I did before I left a few months ago. I picked up a hitchhiker near town and I gave her a ride. It was a young woman in a white dress. I only drove her a couple of miles before she wanted to get out. I'm sure you know the stupid legend. Everyone does, right? But she's been in my dreams the last few weeks and my dreams are far too vivid. I've been dreaming of her, that hitchhiker, and she's been hurting you. I've been telling myself how stupid the legend is and how I'd have to be an idiot to believe in ghosts. I'm not sure that I do, but I do believe in signs. I know I sound crazy. So whatever is actually happening, truth or legend, I do know that I've been scared. Scared for me, scared for you. And maybe my sign is telling me to see you and telling me to make sure that you're okay right now. You're probably fine, and maybe you didn't make it this far in the email. Maybe you already hit delete, and if you did, it's fine. I probably deserve it. But if you didn't hit delete, answer me one question. Can I see you? I'm not saying I deserve another chance, I know that I don't, but if you wanted to see me again, let's go to the Boundary Waters. Do you remember how happy we were on that trip? It just felt so right. We can camp for a few days, just the two of us. God, this sounds so stupid. You've probably already deleted this, but I thought I would give it a shot. Let me know, somehow. And if you don't, that's fine. I do understand. 
Can I just, can I just, like, overshare for a second? My ex used to do this fucking shit to me all the time. This, like, low-key manipulative pity party shit that, like, I know you've deleted this already. Like, no, I haven't, because I'm gonna read it, and you know I'm gonna feel bad for you, and you know I'm gonna take you out for fucking dinner or go to the fucking camp with you, fucking moose camp, whatever, and I'm gonna dick you down, because that's what I fucking do. (laughs) God damn it. The story is the story makes me feel things and I don't like it. Yeah, I agree. I'm feeling real bad right now. I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm feeling nervous. I'm feeling scared, and I'm also feeling very attacked. <laughs> I'm feeling personally attacked. I'm I came feeling- here to have a good time. And I am honestly feeling so attacked right now. <laughs> the noises outside my bedroom door stop. The pale hands with the long fingers quickly pull back underneath the door and back into the hallway. The woman in white moves down the hallway and a loud thump reverberates throughout the house. I know that thump. She's opened the attic door and the ladder fell down. I hear her climb the ladder steps. And now her footsteps are in the ceiling. They stop directly above my head and silence. It's like she knew. The woman in white knew. The attic is where I keep all of my camping gear. Damn it. Damn. I don't even consider another option. I don't think I even finished reading my wife's email before I made up my mind. I was going up to Minnesota. I grabbed a flashlight from the drawer and entered the hallway. The house is eerily silent. I ascend the ladder steps one by one and I try to the light, excuse me, and I try the light when I get to the top. Of course, the bulb is dead. I shine the flashlight around waiting for a hand to grab me from behind. I readied myself for the cold fingers to grip my neck. Maybe snapping it for good this time. It would be almost like poetry if I died tonight after reading my wife's email. She had seen the woman in white first. According to the legend, I was the one that was supposed to die. And I probably deserved it for taking that woman into my house and allowing her to do things to me. Toying with her in a way. I didn't have to take the woman in white home with me. But I did anyway. Maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. You think? Hell, more than maybe. It definitely wasn't the right thing to do. You th- Thank you. <laughs> you fucking think? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe taking hitchhikers home and fucking them and then ditching them in the woods and then taking them home again is not a great idea. All right, so maybe I want I made one mistake. Maybe I made eight. Who's counting? <laughs> <laughs> maybe I made a billion. <laughs> A billion mistakes. Yeah. I ducked my head and moved cautiously on the wooden beams. My light falls on the old camping gear, tent, pack, pots, and pans, everything. We had registered for all of this stuff when we got married, and I hadn't looked at it in years. I smiled. Next to the gear, lying strewn across the beams, was the dirty white dress. I rotated around, shining my beam everywhere. The dress might have been there, but the woman was gone. I shoved things into the bag, and I slung the heavy pack over my shoulder and dumped it into the hallway below. Then I tossed down a few more items. I didn't touch the dress. I just left it in the attic. I packed up my clothes in record time, loaded up my car, and I was peeling rubber before I had a chance to change my mind. I'm typing this from a hotel in Eli right now. I'm on zero sleep. The northern air feels crisp and heavenly exactly as I remembered it. I emailed my wife and told her I was here waiting for her. It's morning now, so I'm not as afraid. Did the woman in white follow me here? I don't think so. I even passed the spot on the country road back up on my way up here. I think that maybe she vanished from my house and returned to her usual spot, her home, in a way. But she wasn't there. I kind of hoped she would be. I just sped on past. 
I kept looking outside at my car in the parking lot, thinking that the woman in white was actually in the trunk the whole time. Maybe she was hiding in the back seat and waiting for the car door to creak open and for her to step out. But I really hope that doesn't happen, because I don't want to see the woman in white. I want to see my wife. I want to see her in the place that's filled with beautiful memories for the both of us. I still don't know what to think. She's been wrong, and God knows I've been wrong. But maybe we can move on. Maybe we can bury the past. I'm not sure how long we're going in. Three days? Four days? I'll try to update when I get out. I think I'm going to walk to a gift shop and buy a new moose keychain. I never did find my old ones. I would assume that that's because the woman in white has it and is already, like, on the way to the campsite to, like, fuck his wife. And I don't mean the way he fucked her. Yo, I was really hoping that that's what you meant, because honestly, I'm totally down for a story where the plot twist is that his wife is in lesbians with the ghost that he fucked. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be, you know, fun, though? It'd be kind of, it'd be kind of fun. It'd be kind of fun. Alright, so this is the last part. Uh, If it's okay with you, I'm probably just going to roll through it. That's great with me. I want to know what's, I want to know what's happening. I waited at my hotel all day. My wife didn't show. I called her cell phone once, twice, three times, straight to voicemail each time. On the fourth try, her boyfriend answered. Stop fucking calling, he snarled. You'll live to regret it. (laughs) My name's Brad. He hung up. (laughs) My name's Brad. You know, I actually have a story named Brad, and I I haven't found someone to read it with yet. So maybe your next episode is just going to be called Brad. (laughs) I don't even know what it's about. It's just called Brad. Brad. It is about Brad. That's true. I sent her an email. I'm an Eli. You're not answering your phone, and you didn't show up. Are you coming? All I want is a fresh start. It'll be hard, but I think we get... I think we can put all of this behind us. Maybe we can act like none of our baggage of shit ever happened. I'm willing to give it a shot. I know we have a complicated history, but we can do it. I dream about meeting you again, for the first time again. A clean slate. I'm here. I awake on Tuesday morning, still no sign of my wife. I pick up my phone and dial her number again, even after the dire warning of the guy in Colorado. No rings. It goes straight to voicemail. I leave her a short message. You never showed, I said. I don't get it. I search for more words, but none come. I hang up, and my head was flooded with thoughts and emotions that maybe the woman in white had found her. Maybe the Colorado guy had stopped my wife from going. And I was all alone in Eli, Minnesota, with a car full of camping gear and a permit for two. Then another thought entered my head, and it washed away with all the other ones. This was my fault. All of it. I was too much of a fuck-up to put it all together, but I regretted every choice I made the last few months I needed to get my shit together. I sent my wife another email. I'm going in. Maybe you'll be here when I return to civilization on Thursday. I grabbed what was left of my case of beer and went to the bathroom. I opened each remaining can, about eight or ten, and dumped each can down the drain. As the booze swirled and vanished, a slight load was lifted from my shoulders. I knew kicking the habit was more than just dumping a few cans of Coors Light down the sink. Gross! But damn it, it was a start. Well, that's where they belong. So, I mean, it's better than a start. (laughs) Beer. I checked out of my hotel, 
and drove to the Outfitters. Even though my wife wasn't here, I was doing it anyway. I was going to follow through with something and I was going to clear my head. I was going fucking camping. And I'm gonna fucking like it. I'm gonna go fuck it. I'm gonna go camping by myself without my alcohol and I'm gonna like it. With broad. An outfitter employee helped me tie my rented canoe to my car and I drove another 50 minutes to my drop-in zone. I dumped my boat into the water and a park ranger helped me load my bag of gear into the middle of the canoe. He grimaced as he did so. This is a pretty heavy bag for one guy, he said. Just what do you got in this thing anyway? I just shrugged, slightly embarrassed. I didn't tell him that I'd packed for two. I paddled all day, followed my map, I wanted seclusion. As the day progressed, I saw less and less paddlers and campers. At the beginning of my voyage, every sight along my route was taken. By midday, the sights were hit or miss. By evening, I found a lake that I had all to myself. There were five other sights dotted around the lake, but none of them were taken. I chose a site on a small island. Exhausted from paddling and portaging all day, I dumped my gear on shore and laid down. I stared up at the cloudy sky. I was finally alone. I set up my tent and munched on some cliff bars and trail mix. I was too tired to fish or make a fire. I laid down in my sleeping bag inside the tent, hearing nothing but loon calls and the gentle sounds of waves on rocks. I slept for a while, and then I woke up in the middle of the night. I turned over on my side, and I just stared at my pack in the corner of my tent. It started to rock, ever so slightly. I squinted my eyes and it moved again, gently rocking. And then I heard the zipper slowly begin to unzip. One tooth at a time, I squinted harder, unable to move, paralyzed in the darkness. A pale finger reached out of my bag and then another. A hand reached out from the opening and grabbed the zipper from the outside. And then the hand pulled it open even further. A wrist. An elbow, the entire arm now, hair fell from the bag onto the floor and I heard slight breathing, panting, I'd heard this panting before. The zipper opened halfway and the woman in white wiggled out. Her body was folded up like it was some goddamn human origami. Her knees were next to her head but her feet pointed in the opposite direction. Her left arm was bent behind her, and her hand reached around and rested on her stomach. She tried to unfold, and as she did, I heard bones cracking. But she couldn't unfold. She panted harder, gave up, and began to slide towards my sleeping bag. Her f I, I liked that. I liked that a lot. It reminded me of, um... It reminded me of, uh what we do in the shadows when uh yo I love when when deacon was in the fucking backpack that nick tries running out with and his hand just comes up it's a really good effect <laughs> do you like the paschetti her face was covered with hair as she lurched over she reached out her right hand gripped the tent floor and pulled herself towards me one inch at a time like a wounded animal and i just watched her do it i couldn't fucking move she was inches away. I felt her cold breath on my face. She moved her head up and down, her scraggly hair brushing against my cheeks. She then spoke her first words since I picked her up on that fateful night on the old county road. 
Why? She breathed. Why? I felt her tongue tickle the end of my nose, and it worked its way towards my mouth. It stopped on my mouth and worked a circle around my lips. Her tongue felt like an icicle. Her mouth opened and she exhaled into me, and it smelled like a blast of hot garbage. I was finally able to move. My hand trembled upwards and I moved the hair from her face. My beautiful and smooth woman in white was now a deformed, rotting creature. A small smile formed at the corners of her ragged mouth and the twisted creature lunged forward. I screamed and shot up in my sleeping bag. My head swiveled quickly, examining all corners of my tent. My camping bag was still in the corner, unopened. I was alone. The woman in white was just a dream. I wiped the sweat from my forehead, unzipped my tent, and tossed the large bag outside as far as I could. Fuck that! <laughs> I laid in fear all night, barely getting any sleep at all. I left the tent at first light. I watched the sun rise from a large rock on the island's edge. I reached into my pocket and I pulled out the moose keychain I had purchased the day before. It was an exact replica of the one I'd lost, and it made me think of my wife. And I decided that I didn't deserve her. I was a damn nutcase and a fool to boot, but I'd do anything to win her back. But this woman in white, this woman that I'd gotten into bed with, pun intended, she wouldn't let me move on. She'd always haunt me, even though I was trying to let her go, maybe I'd never be able to let her go, but damn it, I was going to try. I stood and walked to my camping bag, it laid next to some trees in the same spot I'd thrown it in the middle of the night, I cautiously unzipped it and reached inside, and my hands fell upon pots, pants, clothes, a bag of freeze-dried food, a small tackle box, and then I felt that familiar fabric. It was thin and ratty. I pulled it out. It was the white dress. I swore I had left it in the attic, but in my haste to split town, I must have thrown it into the pack. Maybe the woman in white had somehow made me do it. I made a fire and tossed the fucking thing into the flames. Fuck yeah. I watched it burn up, yeah, metal, and I felt a release. It was the same release as when I watched my beer circle around and vanish down the drain. Maybe I was free. Alcoholism does work that. Mick fucking cured. And then, and then, about three hours later, you're rolling on the floor, cold and hot and sweaty and thirsty. <laughs> Twelve step who? <laughs> yeah. I tossed my line in that morning and caught quite the haul. I cleaned my catch and ate like a king that day. I cleaned up, buried the bones and fish heads in the woods, and relaxed in my tent with a book. I waited all night for the woman in white to come back. Every sound outside my tent was her walking around. Each small gust of wind was her brushing against my tent from outside. She didn't come. Around three in the morning, I heard a scream. A terrible, godforsaken, blood-curdling scream. A woman's scream, and then there was silence. It came ac from across the lake. I bounded from my tent and dragged my canoe to the water. I pushed off from the shore and guided my canoe by moonlight towards the direction of the scream. I was too curious. I reached the middle of the lake. It was so quiet, you could hear the stars shining. 
There was no more screams, no commotion. I floated for 20 minutes just listening. Nothing. I paddled back to my campsite and slept like a baby. On Thursday, I packed up. I felt like a new man. I wasn't sure that I'd exercised the woman in white from my life completely, but just the chance that I had filled with something I hadn't felt in months. Hope. I loaded up my canoe and I shoved off. I floated past another camper fishing in the lake. He had just arrived on my lake last night. He apologized to me, just in case his wife had woken me up in the middle of the night. Is everything okay? I asked. Oh, she just had a nightmare, he said. I was telling ghost stories by the fire. Have you heard the one about the woman in white? I lied and said that I hadn't. But really, I like, I got down with that bitch every night, man. But really, I just, I just didn't want to tell him. <laughs> I paddled all day and docked my canoe in the early evening at the same place that I had dropped in. The same ranger happened to be there and he helped me out of my canoe. He lifted my bag out and smiled. Either I'm getting stronger or this bag of yours got a whole lot lighter, he said. I just smiled. I couldn't lie. There was the lightest. This was the lightest I'd felt in months. I told him and he just shook his head and laughed. I drove back into Eli, excited to grab a large burger and fries. I parked and walked into the little bar eatery with outdoor seating that I'd seen from when I was in town earlier in the week. I was 20 feet away from the restaurant when I stopped and my jaw just about hit the pavement. It was my wife, sitting alone at a table. I hadn't seen her in months and she looked great. Her hair was shorter and her skin was radiating like never before. She'd come after all. I couldn't believe it. She looked around like she was looking for someone, waiting for someone actually. Waiting for me. I approached her and she looked up at me and nervously smiled. The moose keychain was still in my pocket and I pulled it out. I remember what I wrote to her in that email and it was all coming true. The way she looked at me, I knew that we had no past. No instances of stupid fighting, no name calling, no guy in Colorado broad. This was it. We were starting brand new, like we were meeting for the first time all over again. I sat down at her table. Hi, I'm Jackson, I said, barely containing my knowing grin. My wife blushed and she looked away slightly. She noticed the moose keychain dangling from my hand and then she looked at me and smiled. I'm Emily. A fresh start. That was All right. Well, okay. kind of a wholesome. Wow. <laughs> kind of a sweet ending there. Wow. Damn. All right. Sweet. <laughs> Welcome to Lots of Pasta, where everything is nice and fine all the time. <laughs> After you dick down a ghost for like two weeks. <laughs> now you can fix everything with your life. All you do is throw that dumbass dress in a fire. <laughs> you know how she fucked that guy Brad for like three months? Well, you fucked a corpse for two weeks and suddenly everything's better. So it evens out. It's like <laughs> two weeks with corpse equals three months with Brad. It's basic algebra. <laughs> oh, that's an equation I like. <laughs> the equation of ghost fucking and divorce. <laughs> Oh, that's like the perfect title. The equation of ghost fucking and divorce. <laughs>
Wow. I, oh. You know, I didn't see that coming, actually. Out of all of the endings that I was ready for, this was not one of them. No. No, absolutely not. I don't think... Um, uh, I don't know. I, I would like to think that... Uh, I would like to assume that what I'm feeling is disappointment, but I don't think I'm actually disappointed that it didn't end, like, terribly. I think I just wanted... Uh, I wanted... You know, there there was a certain point in time where I think through your, your first or second part where... I thought a lot about, like, Creepshow. How Creepshow kind of did this thing where it was just like... You know, it would always... It would always knock you for a loop. It would it would start you with a premise because you know Stephen King helped develop Creepshow and Creepshow was, you know, it was like the love the love child of George Romero and Stephen King and it's just a wonderful uh, I think there are two two Creepshow films um and um they always have the same kind of movement where it's like you know setting shitty characters, shitty characters do something stupid shitty characters get fucked and just when you think they're out of it they get fucked even more and like i just wanted i wanted that like um that like end note of like ha you're fucked <laughs> you know yeah, like yeah. i just i just wanted it to be like um i sit down at the table and i realize that this isn't my wife it's like something wearing my wife's skin or like <laughs> i don't or like no, no, no. Something a little bit more subtle. Maybe that's a little too on the nose. That's like David Cage on the nose. That's how divorce um, goes. Yeah. Um, I wanted probably something more similar, like, um, uh, I don't remember my wife having green eyes or something, Ooh, you know, yeah, like, that would have been like nice. something, something that would have very, been spicy. Yeah. yeah, something, something like just quippy to leave you thinking a little bit. Um, I think like I'm I mean I'm like I'm a I'm secretly a sucker for a happy ending like hopeless romantic all that bullshit it's very I'm not ju- I'm not judging no, you no, no, for, no. for it's just for like it's that. funny because I'm like like I'm down for this because I'm a sucker for a happy ending but I think that like there was such an intense buildup with this woman in white and they didn't really deliver at the end you know what I mean? Like, I sure. really needed one last, like, nasty-ass, like, confrontation with her. Because they were really, like... I-, I was genuinely unsettled at a couple of points in the story, which doesn't yeah. happen that often when I do this with you. I think it I think it goes to say that I don't think the relationship he had with the woman in white was healthy, but, like, I, I-, I guess... Um, you know, uh, I guess you know when you really think about it, she kind of she kind of ghosted him. <gasps> <laughs> I hate myself. So, like, no, really. Uh, I I think I think the kind of uh, like cathartic like, and then I realized she was a corpse was just a little like it was a little too much or, or like i realized she was a corpse but then i realized the corpse was a dream like it was just it was like charles dickens it was a little yeah it was a little too like too metaphorical not literal enough yeah like i i think well because they also i don't know they kind of i feel like there's a way to kind of have like 
this is this is another thing with David Cage, a complaint that I have about him, is that sure. I think that there's a way to like uh, convolute something and have it be like kind of dubious as to whether or not she was a dream or whether she was real. And I think that they were doing a really good job with that in the beginning with the friends coming over and being like, yo, your house smells like rotting <laughs> rotten fruit. fruit. Like they're hearing weird noises, you know, shit like that. And then but then like near the end. It was like, oh, it was a dream. Like, it- Yeah, that I just think that, um, you know, we might not have made it sound like it, but the story was split into like four parts. And I think this is one of those examples where uh, as I'm reading it, I'm saying, ah, this guy is kind of, you know, he's overthinking it. He's he's changing his changes between parts aren't aren't very subtle. Yeah. I think somewhere between parts three and four, he um he he turned the story into something else whereas what i wanted more of was almost like a um i kind of wanted like a jennifer's body thing Ooh, to like yeah. come to like come come out in like the last act but it just didn't happen i'm not saying i'm disappointed i had a lot of fun reading it and i and i had a lot of fun reading it with you um i just think my um my standards and like my my level of like expectations for ghost fucking were not met. No, I totally agree. Like I I think I think that they had some really like they had some really good stuff, but I think they could have pushed it even harder and then they did. With a title like that. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Like I especially cuz like they were doing a really good job at one point. They were like he was like, "Yo, like this bitch is totally going to kill me." But I'm going to do it anyway. And I was like, yeah, all right, me too. Let's go. But then, like, she didn't, she didn't even kill him. (laughs) No, I know, right? Like, no one died. Like, no one died. Like, no one died. Not honestly, like, there was some unsettling stuff, but nothing even particularly, like, just super disgusting happened. You know what I mean? I agree. And, like, I'm here for that nasty shit. Like, come on. Yeah. If it's a corpse, like, buy into it. Uh, There's an episode, episode 84. Um, I read read a story with two newbies on the show, and um, it's called... uh, I think uh, it's called Hey Dude, Do You Own a Dog? And uh, and it devolves into this like satirical dude bro romp, like a like a spooky dude where's my car. It was hilarious. That sounds hilarious. It is so much fun. If you haven't listened to 84, like literally listen to it because it is just the people I read it with were just the perfect fucking people to read that story with. And um and I, I thought, like, even just based on the title, I was just like, yeah, this is going to be funny. And I feel like I looked at this title and I kind of expected the same thing. At least, uh, I, I'm not saying I expected, like, a um, a horror comedy about a guy trying to, like, love his zombie girlfriend. Aww. But, like, <laughs> but like I definitely expected more monster fucking. <laughs> yeah, like, what the... <laughs> We we are not sat me me messaging the author like listen <laughs> <laughs> listen you need to, your next story is gonna is gonna be called creature from from the black lagoon I don't I don't know I don't know where I'm going with this the shape of it's water gonna, 2017 it's gonna, <laughs> shit that's where I was going. <laughs> 
it was Guillermo del Toro all along. You see, you see when we when we uh, we pan away, we pan away from from the uh, when the uh, when the fish when the fish pen when the fish penis uh, come, it comes <laughs> out and and then we uh, we pan away. I'm like. I'm like a second grader. Like, hee yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love that man. No, it's, I do too. This, you know what? Maybe we should message him and be like, hey, we have some complaints. We need real material. Help us out. Uh, you know what? Now that I think about it, Crimson Peak is kind of a movie about ghost fucking. You know what's funny? I have it not is. seen that movie. And I should. <laughs> you know, we're so we're so goddamn surprised that his his like next movie, Shape of Water, was about having sex with the creeper, creature from the Black Lagoon. That we never stopped to think about how Crimson Peak is literally ghost fucking. Hmm. Wow, Guillermo del Toro has been doing this his entire career. <laughs> A Hellboy and Selena Blair, a, like a paper by a paper by Captain Death. <laughs> <laughs> like like Hellboy one, like yeah, you know everyone's fucking Ron Perlman. Hellboy two, you know Abe Sapien wanna fuck that elf drow chick. Uh, Crimson Peak, ghost fucking, Shape of Water, obvious. Like I just, mm-hmm. I think I'm gonna start doing. Um, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna take to the airwaves with my message. I'm gonna write like an 80-page book, analyzing <laughs> Del Toro's work and why it's all about monster fucking. And then he'll make a movie adaptation about it. Oh man, I would cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would die. I would die happily. If at I that could, point. if I could meet that man just once in my life, I think that I'd be like good. I'd be I solid. I told you that. Didn't I tell you that last, um, I think it was, like, it wasn't this most recent, like, October, November, but, like, two Octobers ago, I actually was at a con, and I stood, like, ten feet away from Ron Perlman, and for the life of me, I was just, like, I was, like, man... As much as I want to meet Ron Perlman, it would be so much cooler to meet Guillermo del Toro. And then, and then like, not even, not even like, um, like a day or two later, there was some kind of like interview outside of like a museum or something with Ron and Guillermo del Toro. And I was like, he was there. He had to have been there. I smelt him. <laughs> I could yeah, feel was, him. I can feel I felt his, his I felt his presence in the area. Oh my God. <laughs> I can sense when he's nearby and no one can stay. <laughs> That was a fun story. What do you think? I I actually really I did. I really enjoyed it. I think granted they could have pushed some things a little further, but apart from that, I really genuinely enjoyed it. I had a couple of moments where I was really like, "Yo, like this is not okay." <laughs> yeah, no, there were a couple. Yeah. Um I I had a lot of fun too. I think it was mainly the like her pulling the covers off of his feet. I was like, "No. <laughs> Rules are being broken." Rules of being broken, and I will not stand for it. I will not stand for this. 
my fragile reality is shooketh. Yeah, basically, me hiding under my covers and with the full knowledge that now <laughs> there's nothing that will save me from this woman <laughs> in white. Too true. Uh, you got any uh, any closing thoughts? Any any closing comments or anything you want to say to the uh, to the fans out there? To the fans, uh, keep fucking monsters, as is our god given right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Bring a whole new meaning to the monster mash, please. To the monster smash. They did this. <laughs> That's great. The monster smash. The smash. They did I the don't. smash. They did the monster smash. The monster smash. <laughs> it was a dicking bash. They did the smash. <laughs> it caught on with a rash. They did the smash. But maybe That's all don't I got. pick up hitchhikers wearing white dresses and bring them home. And <laughs> maybe don't pick up hitchhikers and fuck them immediately. That's another good point, yeah, too. You maybe should not pick up pick up hitchhikers, actually. I wrote, like, a... Like, a... Uh, I, I don't know. I feel, like... I feel eh about calling it horror, because it's not exactly horror, but... It's almost horror. Okay. An almost horror story, and it, the whole thing centers around a trucker picking up a hitchhiker so yeah long story short don't pick up hitchhikers that's fantastic you should let me read that i will i'll send it to you it's like i i'm all about liminal spaces and all that bullshit so if you like liminal stuff then that's Ooh, makes me paranoid yeah i like it i like it a lot all right so this was episode 98 with cannibal siren uh thanks Tune in, tune in next time, fuckers. We got we got two episodes till a hundred, and I haven't talked about it at all. Ha ha ha! You might assume that I don't have a plan. Ha ha! You might be right. (laughs) A surprise tool for later. A surprise for everyone, including myself. And I get more ass than a toy